Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Matthew in the New Testament, Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is uh, delivering here what we commonly call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Today we're going to be, begin reading in verse number 19 of Matthew chapter 6. We're talking today about the best investment out of this world. You know, we live in an age of investment, don't we? People are investing here, they're investing there, they're losing here, they're gaining there. Uh, we're thinking about investments. Well, Jesus here gives us a, a tremendous truth. Beginning in verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I know that you will agree with me that whatever you spend your money on, whatever time you spend involved in certain things, uh, that's what's important to you. That's, uh, your heart is there. Your heart is going in that direction. Jesus says wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be too. And then he goes on to further explain that. He says in verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, if you're looking in the right direction, God will bring light into your, into your life. You'll be a person who walks in the light. But if you're looking in the wrong direction in life, life, darkness sets in. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He sums it up in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, that's a word that we, uh, we don't use in our society, the word mammon. It means materialism. It means money. Jesus said here, listen, you can't serve materialism. You can't serve money and serve God at the same time. And so these people were trying to do that. They were trying to follow the Lord, but uh, they were out to get all they could and to can everything that they got and to save it for themselves. Jesus says that's not a good idea. Now the word treasure here in verse number 19 is the Greek word thesaurus. I know it sounds familiar to you because you may have one at home. A thesaurus is a, is a treasury of words. Uh, well, this is a place that Jesus is talking about where we deposit our material wealth. Two weeks ago, we talked about works from Matthew chapter 6. Don't do your works before men. Hypocrites do that. I want you to do it as quietly and secretly as you can in my name. Last week, Pastor Ken talked about worry. Uh, it's uh, to be displaced in our life by prayer. That means that every time we have a tendency to worry, uh, we're supposed to take those concerns to God and so what that essentially means is we're going to be praying most of the time. Because don't we worry an awful lot? 
Sure we do. So Jesus said, I want you to start praying rather than worrying. And then uh, today we're talking about wealth. Uh, Wealth, that's another theme in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus here is talking about a new way to live. You know, wealth can talk, covers a lot of aspects of our life. You're wealthy if you're healthy, right? You're wealthy if your family is intact. You're wealthy if your mind is working in the right direction. I was recently talking to one of the men of our church. If I mentioned his name, most everybody would know him. And he said, you know, I just came from a physical examination, and I'm just so thankful to the Lord that I have a sound mind and a sound body. A pretty, that's, that's pretty wealthy, isn't it? To be able to think straight and have all the body parts working and going in the right direction. That's wealth. But this particular chapter, or this section of which we read this morning, is not about that. It's about money. Uh, it's about how we use our money. It reminds me of a mother who was hysterical because her little boy, Jimmy, had swallowed a quarter. She turned to her husband and screamed to him to call the doctor. So he picked up the phone. But instead of calling the doctor, he decided to call the pastor of the church. The wife was upset and said, We don't need the pastor. We need someone who can help us medically. To which the husband replied, Hey, our pastor can get money out of anyone. So he thought he was making the right call. He did. You know, in America, we are relatively wealthy. I'm tempted to say we're wealthy. Some of you have been on mission trips, and you've seen how the other world lives. I was just reading that a factory owners uh, were talking to the Haitian parliament, and they were willing to give uh, workers a nine-cent per hour raise, nine cents, which would bring them up to 31 cents an hour for making t-shirts, underwear for the clothing giants like Dockers and Nautica in Haiti. Just this morning I was going through the Drudge Report before I came to church. That's probably not too healthy to do. But on the Drudge Report it said that doctors... We're going to get a raise in Cuba. And uh, they were going to go from $26 a day to $67 a day in Cuba. Excuse me, that's a month. The entry-level nurses were to get a raise from $13 to, to $25 a month. Government jobs paid $20 a month. Uh, People don't live like us in other countries. Jesus said here, I don't want you to lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. This is a bad investment. In other words, stop laying up treasures on earth. Stop hoarding. Stop stockpiling. Now the question is always, how much is enough though? If I make this amount, would that be enough for our family? If I make this amount, is that going to be enough? You know, usually the curve goes something like this. When we start out in life, we start to accumulate a lot of things, don't we? We love things. And so after a number of years, our walls and our house start shrinking, right? 
And after you've been married a number, a lot of years, you have like a path through the house because you've accumulated all this stuff. And then you finally get disgusted and you say, listen, this stuff's got to go. And if you're like me, I have trouble with that. Because I'll pick up an item and I'll look at it and I'll say, I can't throw that away. I'll probably need that. I've been saying that for 20 years about that same item, which I've never used. And uh, toward the end of life, we uh, call it the time of elimination. We get rid of stuff. Uh, Jesus said, this should not be your concentration. This treasure or accumulation won't last. And that's the reason. It's going to deteriorate. It's going to be stolen from you. Uh, it's, uh, it's part of this earth. And you know, whatever comes out of this earth goes back to the earth. You've been to funeral services and you've heard pastors or ministers say, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Well, that's a biblical statement. That's taken from Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. And so all these things that we work so hard to get, we have to relinquish them one of these days. They go back to the earth. Um, now, these terms that Jesus uses right here is probably just a little bit foreign to us. He talks about moths eating their clothing. Back in that time, clothing was, uh, was a part of their portfolio. People would dress so, so wonderfully, and they'd spend a lot of money on their clothes, and that was just a part of who they were, uh, the rich of the land. And he said, listen, uh, you do that, and the moths will come along and take your clothes away. And you think you have something more solid than that? The rust will eventually get that. It's a bad investment of time and energy. Materialism. We, uh, we have to look carefully here at what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves. If uh, your pursuit in life is only for you, it's the wrong thing. You're going to be disappointed because you're going to lose it all. Uh, Turn over with me to Luke chapter 12. That's not far from where you are. Luke chapter 12. And Jesus here puts some flesh on this story for us. He talks about, uh, he talks about a person who's out for himself in this world. Verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Here's a person who had a lot, and things were getting better for him. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no, no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will, and pull, notice all the personal pronouns here. He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones. I will store all my goods and my crops in my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This person thought that he had enough. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus said this person kept getting and kept getting and kept building and kept building and all of a sudden he died. He wasn't rich toward God. He had no time for God in his life. He was out trying to accumulate things for himself. Jesus said this is a bad investment. You're going to leave it all behind. Last summer, I was talking to a man in our community, and he said, you know, I worked so hard for so many years to make a lot of money. 
And I think he did. But he said, you know, those years were all a blur to me. I can't remember what happened during that time. Someone was talking about a wealthy person who died and asked the oft-discussed question, how much did he leave? The answer, everything. He left it all behind. The pyramids in Egypt are testimonies to the fact that people tried to take the treasure with them. The pharaohs of Egypt were buried with gold and treasures to take into the afterlife, but they left it all behind. We're still discovering what they left behind. Even further, though gold is a precious thing on earth, God uses it to pave the streets of heaven. We're going to appreciate that, aren't we, when we get to heaven, especially from western Pennsylvania. You know, wealth promises happiness. I never will forget today I was watching television and there was this multi-multi-millionaire on there and he was saying, listen, uh, I guess someone asked him the question, does all this money make you happy? He said, if anyone believes that money will make you happy, they're mistaken. Everybody who has money knows that. It doesn't bring happiness. Well, uh, there are many people that spend their life just out for themselves. Jesus said, listen, don't do that. Actually, Verse number 19 is a command. He said, stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. You're wasting your time if you do that. Look at what he says in verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves break through and steal. This is the best investment. This is a positive statement. And this too is a command from God right here. Now this is called contrary to our culture, isn't it? Of course. This is where their treasures are safe. First Peter chapter 1, verse 4 talks about an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so Jesus is saying here is, I want you to send your treasures to heaven, and they'll be safe there. That's the best investment. There are no moths there to eat your clothes. There are no rust to take away other things. Let's notice here this morning what Jesus does not say in this passage of Scripture. He doesn't say, abandon the thought of money. He doesn't say that. A lot of times people read a Scripture like that and they take it out of context and they think, I'm just going to go and I'm going to live off the land. I don't need any money. Well, he didn't say to abandon the thought of money or forget money. Money is something that we need. We use it for buying and selling. We, knew, we need it for providing our needs. Jesus knows that. Trading it for what we have need of. Jesus doesn't say, turn your back on money. Uh, he doesn't say either not to be successful on your job. You know, if you do what the Bible teaches you to do, you'll probably be successful on your job. And you know what that will mean? That will probably mean more money for you. And the Bible is very specific on this. Uh, I have yet to see a good worker that didn't have a measure of success on the job. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Let's say you go to work this this week and, and you go in there with enthusiasm and the boss looks at you and and you're like a whirlwind. You're a worker. He's feeling good about you. If anybody's going to move up the ladder, who's it going to be? 
Is it going to be the guy complaining about his job? He doesn't like it? He comes late for the job? No, it's going to be you. The Bible says when you have a job, do it with all your might. Well, Jesus doesn't say, do not save for rainy days or retirement. You know, rainy days are coming. And retirement is a reality for everyone. Rainy days, people who work in the trades have for years tried to save some money in the summer for the cold, snowy winter days when they couldn't work so that they can pay their bills in the winter. Uh, rainy days, a lot of people have rainy days. I'm reminded of a guy a number of years ago in our church that had a very important job in a gigantic company in the city of Pittsburgh, and they merged with another company. And when that happens, all sorts, all kinds of heads roll. Somebody came into his office one day and gave him a pink slip and kind of shattered his life because he'd worked all his life to climb up the ladder. It brought him to Christ to realize that, listen, I'm here beating my brains against the wall. I've done everything and now I'm out in the cold. This doesn't make a lot of sense. He had some big rainy days. You know why? Because when he would apply for a job, he was always overqualified. You know, they said, listen, you're, you're too qualified for this job. Retirement. You know, when we think about retirement, we get this visual, don't we? This is retirement, right? But in our age today, it's not. Because uh, people don't have enough money, usually, to do that. People who thought that they could retire at a certain age can't. And they're working longer. People lost their pensions because of mismanagement of a company. It changes everything. People who thought that they could have enough money to retire actually start doing the numbers. They realize, listen, I can't retire. I've got to keep working. Because the cost of living just keeps going up and up and up. I'm saying all that to say this. Working hard and saving is well documented in the Bible. When Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth, he's not talking about working hard or not saving. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says this. Let me read it to you. Take a lesson from the ant. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. They take initiative and work hard. That's a verse on saving. We need to save. Rainy days are coming your way. Retirement eventually is coming your way. You've got to be ready for that. The issue here in this story this morning is not about how much we make. It's what we do with what we make. Do we consume it all upon ourselves? If we do, it's wrong. Because the Lord has created you and created me to be a blessing to other people, just not ourselves. And a life of selfishness will always bring unhappiness. How do we make deposits in heaven? First of all, how do we send our investments forward so that one of these days when we arrive in heaven that we will have a tremendous return on our investment? First of all, we need to be a good manager, a faithful manager. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says to us that we are managers of the mysteries of God. Let's read this together this morning. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards 
that one be found faithful. Paul said, I'm a servant of Christ. That's the way I want you to look at me. But I'm also a manager of the mysteries of God. What does that mean? That means that he was a manager of the gospel. The Lord gave to him the gospel, the message of salvation. And he said, now I want you to manage it. You're my manager. I want you to take care of it. I want you to dispense it with all of your energy because we're called to do that. And then it said, moreover, it is required in stewards or managers that one be found faithful. Now, you've heard it said many times that we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful because every manager needs to be faithful who's running someone else's business. You and I are doing that for the Lord. Uh, This is how we make our deposits. We become faithful. There's one thing that every single person in this room can do, and that's be a good steward, a faithful servant of the Lord, a faithful steward of God. Now, Jesus is commanding us to use our financial wealth for heavenly purposes here in verse number 20. But it begins with a choice. You know, when we give our life to Christ and we serve him, there is this struggle then that goes on. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You see, before a person becomes saved, they only have like one master, the world, the world. And they kind of get caught up in the things of the world and they don't think anything of the things of God. But when a person comes to Christ, then they have like two masters. They have the Lord. And he wants to be our master. But there is still the world. And the world is pulling us in that direction. Jesus said, you can't, you can't serve two masters. Because you will have a tendency to love one and hate the other. Have a loyalty to one and not a loyalty to the other. And so we have this struggle that goes on inside of us. What are we going to do? We, we have to make a choice. Who is going to be our master? Who is going to be our Lord? Well, God, we have to understand that God provides everything that we have. I've heard people say to me, you know, I'm a self-made man. Everything I have, I've made it. I've worked hard all my life. I've done this. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Everything that God has, you've ever gotten has come from the hand of God. He gave you the power to get out of bed in the morning. He gave you the power to think through your job, to make that appointment, uh, to think through a problem on your job. God gave you that strength. And he can take it away just like that. And so we have to acknowledge that every single thing that we have has been handed to us by the hand of God. And so, therefore, we need to return to him as good stewards things in our life that will facilitate the preaching of the gospel. What does that mean? That means giving him the first fruits of our time. You know, time is everything. I read many years ago about a queen in England who was on her deathbed, and she said, I would give my whole fortune for just a few minutes more of time. Time is everything. God gives you time. He gives me time. Uh, Time to serve him. And so, therefore, we ought to give him the first of our time. What time have we given to God this last week? Given time to worship him. In the morning when we get up, we should be worshiping God. God got us through the night. 
He's giving us another day. That's worthy of praise, isn't it? You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. We need to give him time in worship and we need to give him time in service, involvement. Uh, how can I help in a Sunday school class? Can I come over to the church and help out there? Let me put my hands on something to participate in the work of Christ. Let me set up chairs. Let me take down chairs. Let me run the sweeper. Just let me do something. Uh, let us spend our time and our talent. Don't come up at the end of the road with too many regrets. You know that? If Jesus has given you a voice to sing, sing. If he's given you hands that are healthy, work with them. If he's given you the gift of encouragement, use it. If he's given you money, invest it in the things of God. Uh, we uh, are faithful stewards if we give him our time, if we give him our talent, and we give him our treasure. You know, the way the Lord provides for the ministry is through you and me. You know, paying the bills at the church doesn't happen because we're Christians. It happens because people stand up and say, hey, listen, I'm going to pay the bills. I'm going to keep the lights on in the church. When our mail lady comes from Finleyville, she delivers a big stack of mail to us all the time. And every now and then she'll lay it on the desk back there and I'll see a few envelopes. I don't look in them. I just see the, the return addresses. You know what they are? They're, they're the older people of the church. You don't even know their name. And every week, every week, they send their tithe to the church. It doesn't amount to much. But, you know, that's the neat thing about tithing. It's proportional. It's, it's like if a person makes a lot, then, then it's bigger. If they make less, it's less. But I'll tell you what, you can count on them. You can count on them. You don't know their name, but they're faithful to God. Many of them are ready to enter into heaven, but they support the ministry financially. Proverbs 3.9 is a wonderful passage of Scripture. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. I believe that the Lord should get the first of our income. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. Not the last, not something in the middle, but whenever we get our pay, he should get the first of the income. We have a video clip, I think, that illustrates it very well.
illustrates it, doesn't it? When we put the Christ at the top of our list, he always gets paid. When I met Joanne, we were about 18 years of age. She was tithing her income to the Lord. She had a job in a furniture store there in Sherman, Texas. And I thought she was rich, so I decided to marry her. We got married and I checked her account. She had tricked me. She tricked me. And she tithed her income when I met her and I tithed mine. And We've been tithing for 50 years. And, and I say this humbly. We've never missed a week in 50 years of giving our tithe to the church. And the reason why we were able to do that is because we didn't do what this guy did up here. We did what he wanted to do. We put Christ at the top of our giving list. Now, we had many, many times where people were hounding us down here. But we always took care of the Lord first. We discovered Malachi 3.10 in the Old Testament. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's the church that there may be food in my house and try me or test me. Now, in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and will pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. What that verse says to me is this. If you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. And so Joanne and I are living proof that this works. I cannot explain to you this morning because I'm a little bit embarrassed about how much God has blessed us in our life. Spiritually and financially. And we started tithing. We weren't giving very much to the Lord and God just kept increasing it and Increasing it and increasing it. And, and uh, it's been a wonderful blessing. And I saw when we came to church today, Joanne had our offering envelope, as she has for the last 50 years. She put it in the offering. Jim Elliott said this. Remember, he was one of the missionaries that died in Ecuador? He was 29 years old when he died, and... There were four other missionaries who died with him trying to take the gospel to the Ecuadorian Indians in the jungles of Ecuador. But in his journal, he wrote this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And so Jesus said, listen, you can give your life to, for yourself, but you won't keep it. But if you give your life for me, you'll keep it. You won't lose it. And so I want to encourage you today. Giving to God is, uh, is important. Now let me say to you that you shouldn't be hindered, be hindered by 10%, but that number is used a lot in the Bible. You can do more if you want, but that's a good place to start. Uh, will we stop living for ourselves? Will we make our deposits in a safe place? 
I want to encourage you young people, especially in the service today, start out young, like Joanne and I did. I've heard family members in our church and their their kids go out and get a little grass-cutting job and they come home and the parents say, hey, listen, put your your 10% aside. It's easy for them after they go through the high school years to do that. They work at McDonald's, they work at Wendy's, they come home and they just put God's money aside and they learn how to do that. It's easy for them. My mother and dad tithe. I'm sure Joanne's mother and dad tithe their, their church. We learned that from our parents. And they learned that from their parents. Uh, young people, start young. If you haven't started, I want to encourage you to do that. Now, if that scares you today, when you, you're figuring it out in your mind, that scares you, uh, start with a certain percentage and work your way up to that. But don't leave Jesus out of this thing called your treasure. Don't put him at the bottom of the list and expect to be blessed by God. Uh, Or else you could do like we would do. Just start and don't look back. Start and do it by faith and don't look back. Now you can't do this if your finances are out of order. If you're spending more than you're taking in, you can't do this. Because you'll, you'll blame God because you can't pay your bills. But if you're living on a budget, you can do this. And I'll tell you what, it has been one of the greatest blessings we've ever had, right, honey? It's been one of the greatest blessings God has ever given us. And we've never thought twice about it. And the reason why is because we took it right off the top. It was so easy. Someone says, is that easy? Yeah, when you take it off the top, it's easy. I want to encourage you to go home and look over the budget. See what you're doing right now. And uh, see how you can uh, serve the Lord in this way. Lay up some treasures in heaven when you get up there. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be waiting for you. If you lay them up here, you leave them all behind. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's uh, listen to the words of Jesus. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and materialism. Now listen, it's not wrong to have money uh, if you use it in the right way and if you use it to be a blessing to other people. And the Lord sends you more and that gives you more to give. That makes you feel good. Jesus said, listen, hey, stop laying up for yourselves treasures here on earth. You're going to leave them behind. This is a new economy that Jesus is talking about here. It's a new way to live life. It's about him and not you. And so I want to encourage you today uh, to make a decision in the church and go home and say, hey, listen, it's a new day in my house. And let that little video roll over in your brain. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day which you've given to us. And we pray now that as we've looked at uh, how you're teaching uh, your disciples to live that, uh, that we will learn these lessons too today. Especially for young people, I pray, in the church, that they will learn this lesson young of what a blessing it is to just put you at the top of the list rather than in the middle or at the bottom. We pray that you'll just apply these truths to our life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing a verse of invitation this morning. <coughs> Thank you.
the setting sun His love endures forever And by the grace of God We will carry on His love endures forever Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Forever God is faithful Forever God is strong Forever God is with us Forever Forever God is faithful Forever God is strong Forever God is with us Forever His love endures forever His love